This next hour is Query. Query is a love note from two queers to our community. We broadcast and record on Sinaiq's territory, and we are so grateful that the land can support these conversations that we hope will inspire curiosity and learning. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Query. <laughs> I'm Stephanie, and this and is my my co-host Axel. We are hey co-hosts Co-host status defining the relationship. Yes. Axel's wonderful though. They do a lot more work than I do editing and all that kind of stuff. I just show up and talk about cool stuff with Axel so that all of you wonderful listeners can learn a bit more about what it means to be queer. We can only give our little sliver, but there it is here for you tonight on Cooney Mm -hmm. Club Radio. So I heard from my co-host, in fact, that last week was Asexuality Awareness Week. It sure was, yeah, from October 25th to uh, October 31st, Halloween was Ace Week, Asexuality Awareness Week. Maybe let's just start with a little tea for term, Um, tea for term. What is asexuality? (laughs) Yeah, so that's a a great question. And um, asexuality is defined as a sexual orientation where a person experiences little or no sexual attraction to anyone um, or does not experience desire for sexual contact. Right. So Mm -hmm. a spectrum of experience with like a different sort of relationship to sexual attraction than people may, I don't know, have otherwise experienced or um, been portrayed as like the norm in our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the defining piece, right, is like what we've all been told is <clears throat> expected as, of us as humans and how we should show up in being sexually attracted to others. Um, and then people who fall outside of that definition can identify as asexual Um And like you were saying, Axel, because it's a spectrum, not everybody who identifies as asexual never has sex. Like there are definitely people who are on the ace spectrum who um, experience sexual attraction and want to be sexual under certain circumstances. Um, You know, sometimes they'll be times in their life where they might be be sexually attracted to people and then it'll wane and and that'll that'll kind of fade away again and 
um, it's very, I mean, it's of course very unique um, to each individual person, just like any identity, any queer identity that you um, could identify for yourself. Right. And it's different from like celibacy, right? In that celibacy is like a choice that someone might make to abstain or like not have sex for a period of time or in their life. Mm -hmm. Whereas asexuality is like an orientation um, or some might say a lack of sexual orientation where there's like not a desire for that at all. So um, or like not at all, but I guess people have different experiences of that from um, people who like actually are sex repulsed or like really mm-hmm. don't want to hear about, talk about, think about sex and people yeah. who are just like, yeah, that's just not my cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer to engage with people in other ways. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And that like, I guess, um, ace, uh, the ace identity is kind of unique um, in the queer spectrum of identities because you can be a person who is, um, you know that you like are attracted sometimes or maybe you are like romantically attracted to people of a certain gender. So you could be gay asexual you could be um pansexual ace you could be lesbian ace and so it's kind of like a modifier I feel like in that way it's not um not necessarily for everybody just that they're asexual but that they can also um have other modifying intersecting identities in their asexuality Right. Yeah, I feel like one of the really valuable things that asexual communities kind of help others to understand is just like different types of attraction that people feel and different types of connections Mm -hmm. that are possible and like different configurations of those connections. So like what you're talking about is someone might identify as like romantically attracted to a gender or multiple genders, um, but not sexually attracted, or they may be physically attracted in that they want to, you know, spend time with people or like be close or like cuddle or have other sorts of physical affection, but then they don't want, um, or don't feel, you know, drawn to other kinds of sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. And it really like kind yeah, of cause I- layers those things or like starts peeling the layers apart of like oh you know I feel like we kind of get told this story of like oh well if you feel if you like have a crush on somebody or you're like attracted to somebody that means you like want to go on dates with them and you want to be close to them and you want to hold their hand and you want to have sex with them and all these things are kind of like merged together and um, Mm -hmm. you know what asexual people have kind of like contributed to our understandings of relationships is that like actually like you can peel these layers apart and you know want certain things with people and not with other people or feel like drawn to certain kind of connections with people 
and not other things. And that it's kind of like a choose your own adventure (laughs) of Mm -hmm. sex and romance and platonic feelings too. And, and valuing those things. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so important. I know that for me, I didn't start thinking about like you were saying, like how there's so many different layers to our relationships with others. Um, I definitely always thought that if you were in a, hmm, like a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship or whatever, like a dating relationship um, that you had, that, that sex and romance were, intertwined like there was no separating them and it's only because of the ace community that I've started to really like ask myself um about what I want in my relationships with others like and also I think see starting to see how like cuddling with friends is healthy and normal and that that doesn't mean that my friends and I are going to have sex and that that's like, okay. And also like valuable and valid. And I think that society has told us that the ultimate goal is sex. And that like, if you're not having sex in a relationship with another person, um, that somehow it's less valuable than having a relationship with somebody where, you know, that, that, that there's platonic love or that there's, um, romantic love, but that there isn't a sexual aspect to it, that somehow that that's like a lesser than relationship. And I think that that's something that we should all be, um, really thinking about and interrogating in our own minds to kind of figure out like, does that actually align with how I feel and how I want to live my life? Or have I been believing this for this whole time because I didn't know that there was any other options? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's endless options, really. Totally. Yeah, as soon as I, th- I think as soon as you let go of that idea that there is the perfect or the right relationship to be in or the right relationship like it has to look a certain way then I think yeah we get the freedom to see and learn about the endless types of relationship structures and um and ways of being with others that exist And once we stop putting this like very strict idea of what is an ideal relationship, um, that once we let go of that, then I think we have the opportunity to actually ask for what we want and have really enriching, beautiful lives with, um, with people that we love. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has its challenges, though. Like, as I hear you saying that, I'm like, oh, then you have to actually ask yourself, like, what do I want? Uh, And sometimes it's just 
so much easier to, you know, play out a script or just get swept up in kind of the, the ABC, like combo that we're all told it's like the normal thing. So there is a little bit of, I don't know, extra skill required to like interrogate that for yourself and then mm-hmm. like put it into action and in how you design your relationships and co-create connection with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's a lot, a lot of extra work, but I also think that it ends up being less work on the other end almost in a way like if you know like pick your pick your difficulty like do you want it to be challenging at the beginning because you're negotiating um you know how a relationship would look should you would like a relationship to look with another person um you know you're figuring out that together that's a lot of work but you know all the alternative is if you're already aware that you would like to have a relationship that doesn't look you know quote unquote typical that difficulty might end up coming later on when you're unhappy with how this relationship has grown and turned out because you didn't end up asking for what you wanted and um, and you're not getting your needs met. Yeah. Level in up. Relationships are hard. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) no matter what relationships are hard. Yeah. Yeah, they are worth it. Um, Hey everyone, you're listening to Query this lovely, lovely day, uh, with me, Axel and my co-host Stephanie. And in honor of Asexuality Awareness Week that just passed, which was the last week of October, we are having a conversation about asexuality and uh, sexual attraction, feeling it, not feeling it, taking romance in or out of the picture, and basically just unpacking what are these things and what are the diverse ways that different people experience different kinds of attraction. So I think we wanted to take a minute to just talk about attraction and different kinds of ways that humans feel attracted to each other. Um, Mm -hmm. Because we were talking earlier about how culturally sometimes romantic, physical, sexual attraction, they all get kind of like swirled together in this attraction soup. And then if people have, you know, divergent experiences that maybe they feel sexual attraction without feeling romantic attraction then they're kind of seen as like I don't know they're pathologized or just seen as wrong or different in a bad way so um yeah what are some of the ways that you think about different kinds of attraction Stephanie yeah so um we were talking about before the break we were talking about sexual attraction So usually that looks like noticing another person and feeling drawn to them and wanting to be sexual to that person 
because of the attraction that you're feeling. And so like being sexual would be like, usually look like touching a person in, uh, in or around their body in a way that we would typically think is sexual, like touching um, genitals or touching somebody's chest or um, yeah, like wanting to be sexual with them. So that would be sexual attraction. Um, and romantic attraction is similar in the way that it's like noticing somebody and wanting to be close to them, um, but that it doesn't like step beyond into the sexual realm. So it might look like wanting to cuddle with somebody and, but it only be cuddling and, um, you know, holding somebody's hand or wanting to spend lots of quality time with them and do things with them and talk to them, um, you know, share responsibilities with them, that sort of thing. Um, when I was researching about uh, asexuality, one of the things I really liked was they were talking about aesthetic attraction and that aesthetic attraction is like being attracted to the way that somebody looks, but that it doesn't make you want to, like, maybe you want to be friends with that person or something, but it doesn't make you want to be like, have a romantic or sexual relationship with them. It just means that you, you like the way that they look aesthetically, which I, I don't know, I just really loved that because I had never thought about it either. Mm hmm. Did I miss any, you think, Axel? Um, I mean, I it's interesting. I kind of like almost separate romantic from physical or like tactile, mm. like in the ways that you're talking about how cuddling might be. Like if you want to cuddle with someone or hold their hand, it might be like romantic. And I also feel like it might not be. Like maybe it's just, and, and I feel like it's a broader question of like, what is romance? And, and I am, I have no real answers about this. I think that it's really individual to people about what they think is romantic or, you know, some people just don't care about romance either. Like they're not necessarily um, interested in those things that are like kind of culturally seen as romantic mm. and they don't feel as drawn to like engage with them, but yeah, so I would I would kind of further separate like a physical feeling of like wanting to like, yeah, be close to someone or like share physical touch and those kinds of things with romance, which I don't know. I, I guess I would define romance as like like a squishy feel or romantic attraction maybe as like a squishy feeling in your heart that's like just <laughs> like is kind of like mm, – butterflies or like that like that kind of sensation of like oh like you just get a little oh when you like think about the person um mm -hmm. or when you're like engaging and there's like something that is like tender and um yeah like a sweetness um mm -hmm. in a in a way and like a certain like genre of affection wants to like be expressed or something like I don't know but that's like that's my personal personal take on what is romantic um and it's true it can show up in like different ways and people can have romantic friendships where they really like to like 
yeah, I don't know. Something I would consider romantic would be to, to like write someone a long, like loving letter um, that has like a lot of sweetness and like tenderness. And um, I would think that would be really romantic. And like, I might like writing letters to like various people that are not just like my romantic, like partner. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, All sorts of things. Yeah, it's, it really sounds like it's individual, which I think is something we really want to drive home, right, is that um, we've been fed this story that relationships should look a certain way, they should involve certain types of people, um, and that that's what's valid and a good relationship. And that if we take time to think about that on our own and kind of unpack that, that thinking about romantic relationships or romantic attraction versus sexual attraction versus platonic like friendship attraction um, and like physical attraction, like you're saying, it's always going to look different for everybody, right? Like, what is sexual to you might be different than what is sexual to me. And, you know, like you had just outlined that romance looks different to you than it looks different to me or to somebody else. And that that is all valid. um, And that we need to take the time to think about it because it, it, it leaves room for more rich relationships in our own lives and I think it, it um, allows us space for compassion for people who are different than we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then I guess in figuring all this stuff out, then there's like words that people use to define their identities and to describe to other people, like how they prefer to relate. And um, so asexual is one, but mm-hmm. also for people who have, you know, different experiences of romantic attraction who may not feel romantic attraction or may feel it only some of the time they might, you know, identify on the aromantic spectrum. So that's a whole other, that's right. You know, spectrum that's like related to the asexuality spectrum. Um, but is kind of trying to define a different thing and to look at how, um, you know, people express themselves. And I think it's really cool that, you know, people can identify as asexual and biromantic. So maybe they're like not feeling sexual attraction, but they do feel romantic attraction towards more than one gender um, or, you know, any, any amount of combinations. And then when you get even further into it, there's like even different, different terms. Um, like some people identify as gray asexual or gray ace, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, more fluid, um, of an experience. Um, and I mean, I guess that's how I understand it, but do you have another understanding of gray ace? Um, yeah, I, I think you touched on it with talking about fluidity, right? It's folks who identify as gray ace um, likely experience sexual attraction sometimes or under certain circumstances, 
Um, I think a really great term for folks to know is demisexual. And um, demisexual, you can also be demi-romantic, um, but to be demi means that you have to have an established trusting relationship with a person before you feel sexual attraction to them or romantic attraction to them. And I think that there are a lot of people who um, are likely demi in some way and don't have the words to, or haven't had the words to understand themselves in a more deep way. Because I think there are a lot of times that there are expectations of how we should show up sexually or romantically. And if we don't meet those criteria that we feel like there's something wrong with us, that we should do a better job, um, that we are broken in some way. And I would um, encourage people to think about, um, about this in a deeper way because there's nothing wrong with being asexual or gray sexual or um, demisexual. And I think that because life is on a spectrum and it's not so many parts of being human and are not on a binary, that I think a lot less people are, are sexual in the typical way that we think about it in our society. And that there's a lot more people who are on the spectrum than on the, on the extreme edge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One way that in my kind of pre-episode looking into these topics that I found of demisexuality um, that I found really descriptive and helpful was the person said, you know, that when um, that they've never had a celebrity crush because mm. they uh, if their friends would be like, oh, this like celebrity or actor or whatever is like so hot. Like, what do you, or do you think they're hot too? They would be like, I don't know. I think I would have to have lunch with them first and like get to know them and see if there's a connection because that sort of like feeling of, you know, is this person hot slash am I interested in getting to the, getting to know them more um, comes from that emotional connection and like that emotional um, I guess just safety and like knowledge of another person that, you know, I think what you were talking about earlier with aesthetic attraction, um, someone might be like, oh yes, I can see that this person is like objectively hot or like, I appreciate how they look or something mm -hmm. about their like physical appearance, but that doesn't mean that I like am interested in them or like would want to like mm -hmm. engage or like feel a sexual attraction that, you know, those things are, can be separate. And I think, yeah, what you're saying about how this is true for a lot of people, it's like, when I came across the term demisexuality, I was kind of like, um, like, yeah, isn't that, isn't that like how a lot of people feel that they like want to like have some sort of emotional connection or bond before they feel like they want to have sex with other people. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I know that's not how everyone feels and people can feel all sorts of ways. And that's, that's totally cool. Um, another one that I feel like I can't remember if there's a name for this, but people who don't feel sexual attraction unless sex is initiated with them, like they might feel like it doesn't come from themselves necessarily, but they might respond or like if someone feels sexual attraction to them, then they might be like, oh, maybe I feel sexual attraction towards this person. Yeah, Um, there is a, there is a word and I, I don't know what it is um, off the top of my head. I was looking, there's like, so just so everybody knows, um, aceandarrow.com Oh.org rather aces and arrows.org is a really great website um, written and uh, by people who are asexual. So ace and people who are aromantic, which is arrow. And so um, it has so many great resources on what it means to be um, asexual or aromantic. And it does go into um like like definitions um that fall under the aromantic or the asexual spectrum and yeah i was just trying to think too i think one um one word that's good to know as well is allosexual and allosexual are you think again of asexuality on a spectrum that allosexual is on the one end of the spectrum and those are people who are quote-unquote like typical or what like that they are I shouldn't say typical the people that do experience sexual attraction and then on the other end of the spectrum are people who are asexual and don't experience sexual attraction at all for anybody at any time and then people who fall in between those two extremes are on the asexual spectrum and some of them might be gray asexual or demisexual yeah totally and i think yeah that that word allosexual does come from this place of wanting to have other language than like asexual people and like normal people um and is in the same like vein of like terms like cisgender or heterosexual that define like quote society's norms but really that are not necessarily norms but that more people may experience or um for whatever reason are um yeah seen as as normative or like the majority of people's experiences. And then to kind of reframe that as like, actually we all have different experiences of sexual attraction and like, where do you fall on this spectrum? And um, in a way that's like not othering people, but saying, you know, we all have Mm -hmm. some kind of identity in our relationship to sex and whether we want to have it or not. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah it's really hard to get that out of your language and even as a sex educator it's it's like it's work I have to do like getting the words that um are associated with normal or typical or like atypical those sorts of words we can change the way that we say it so that it's not 
referring back to this story, right? This story of who is normal and what is acceptable because though that story is not true and we need to make room for everybody. That's why people feel weird and why doctors treat them badly and stuff. It's because of these stories that we keep per perpetuating even as professionals. I was watching a documentary that was made in BC. Um, I don't actually know when it was made, but it's called Asexual, A Love Story. And, oh yeah, it's from 2016. Um, And was uh, a lovely documentary that followed um, many, I'm not sure how many, but a number of folks who identify as asexual. And them talking about their experience of, you know, having a divergent sexual orientation in a world that is often hypersexualized and how this is different than celibacy and how it's impacted their lives and their relationships and how, you know, their different journeys have been to discover this about themselves to like find language to talk about their experience uh, of not not experiencing sexual attraction and then you know like how they find love in the world and create relationships and it's it's pretty like tender at times like when people are talking about you know how hard it is um to just kind of feel like you're not on the same planet as everybody else about something um, like sexuality and to just not really understand or have any models or frameworks to get why when, you know, your friends in high school are talking about having crushes or like wanting to have sex with people and you're kind of like, um, let me play along and pretend to be feeling the same things when actually I'm not really sure what this is and is there an algorithm that can help me um and and then coming to realize that there's this thing that's called asexuality and you can have this experience and that it's okay and it's normal and and then coming to realize but like but will people still want to date me like am I still going to be able to have mm-hmm. a relationship or multiple relationships and how is that going to work um and anyway I won't spoil the documentary but there's a very cute ending you may or may not find out that some of the interviewees are actually dating each other which is adorable (laughs) um and uh one of them in particular who was really feeling yeah, just like down. And when she kind of came to this conclusion that she was ace and was like, but I still want to, you know, be in a relationship. And she eventually starts exploring polyamory. And uh, in the film, she shares that she has three different loving relationships. And some of her partners uh, do experience sexual attraction and some don't and because of the like openness in their relationship and that her partners who do 
um, feel sexual attraction can have other relationships that they're able to also like get their needs met in different ways, I guess. And like to express the different feelings that they have without feeling like, oh, like if I'm in a monogamous relationship, but then, and my partner is like sexual, then like, I have to be sexual because I have to like meet all their needs or something. Or, um, I mean, I feel like that's a pretty toxic, uh, ideal of monogamy, but I feel like it is definitely out there. Um, anyway, that was my, that was my ramble. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? That's so cute. Um, wow. Yeah. I think that there, for people who are first learning about their identities, that because it's, it's not what society tells them that it should be or should look like that they're somehow odd, um, that that question comes up for people like, will I be alone like will anybody ever love me um for who i am um do i need to keep this secret i think that that happens for folks who are trans and people who are gay as well um and the answer is no like um there are plenty of people who will love you exactly the way that you are and um, maybe even love you because like partially because of who you are like because they're also looking for a companion um who is ace or is trans like there are people who need um need people in their lives who have those understandings of life that maybe you wouldn't find in um other other people who identify differently so yeah I just want wanted to take that moment to say, you know, if you, if this is like really resonating for you and you're hearing this, or maybe you already identify as um, asexual or aromantic, like you are valid. And there are lots of people out there who, um, whose needs will fit into your needs as well. And you are definitely not destined to be alone. Um, yeah, and I liked talking about, or hearing you talk about rather Axel, um, about polyamory and um, and how that makes like so much sense for folks who are, um, might identify as ace or, or arrow. And that, yeah, like if everybody has different needs and parts of your attractions like we were talking about before sexual versus romantic versus platonic versus um physical like there is i mean maybe i'm saying a controversial thing but i don't think that there is a person um on this earth who will meet every single need and interest that I have and um, or that you have and that that's the beautiful thing I think about um, polyamory and people who have the um, desire and capacity to be polyamorous is that you can have somebody who whose romantic attraction 
lines up with yours and then that's how your relationship um, looks and that it doesn't include these other things or maybe it does and and then you have somebody else who meets different needs that that other partner do, doesn't or can't it's really cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and I think of like not even people who I mean not even just people who identify on the ace spectrum but people who like are in partnerships where they just have different sex drives or like different um, like amounts of energy or like interest in having sex um, and how, you know, it kind of just opens up that multiple people can meet your needs. And I also just want to acknowledge that there are also asexual people who don't want to be polyamorous and like, or non-monogamous and, and don't need to be. Um, and that, Mm -hmm. you know, there's also other people out there who are interested in being in like monogamous relationships that don't involve sex or like where sex isn't like a huge part of the relationship, um, or a part at all. So I think there's as many people out there as, as there are (laughs) Mm -hmm. shocking Mm -hmm. uh but yeah it can be hard it can definitely be hard when it feels like your dating pool like is shrunken especially like living in a small town as we do (laughs) I was Um, just about to say that I'm like like, yeah like when you live in Nelson you already live in Nelson um (laughs) good luck good luck out there my friends yeah, it's an interesting place. Um, yeah, it's that's true. And uh, again, I feel like I'm just like keep on going back to this, but I think that um, you know, here's the what society considers the standard, right? Like being heterosexual, being in a monogamous relationship, um, having kids, being married, um, living in a a nuclear family where you don't live with uh, grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles and whatever, right? Like this is the, this is the standard I'm using air quotations of, of what we should be as humans. And that's what society is telling us. And like, I really think that being heterosexual monogamous living in a platonic married relationship um, is healthy and good as long as that's something that you have actually thought about and decided that that's what you want. And like, I think that's the bottom line, right? Is like all choices around sexuality and relationship dynamics and family structures and stuff are healthy and good between consenting adults as long as they've thought about it because if we're just accepting the story that we're being told by society then we just keep perpetuating toxic storylines to one another in in our relationships and to our children and um yeah like being straight is okay and being gay is okay and being poly is okay and being monogamous is okay and there are plenty 
of healthy monogamous relationships that I've had the privilege of like being around um and I also think that those people are in healthy relationships because they work on their relationships and they ask questions about like is this actually good for us like is this actually what we want and I honestly that's just the biggest piece I think of being human like don't just take things um question question things people it's good for you question everything (laughs) and eventually stop questioning not stop questioning but like you don't have to question all the time I feel like that's also important because if you spend every second of your life being like is this what I really want then like you don't also just get to enjoy what you have and be like yeah I'm just Mm -hmm. in it and I'm present um yeah yeah, there's a nice uh, balance of like intuition, I think, and questioning things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just wanted to, to to highlight that because yes, we are talking about polyamory and um, and maybe like relationships that have like three or four parents and a couple of kids and they all live in a house together, or maybe they don't, but the kids go between them and. You know, like all of those relationships, whether they're sexual or not, and like these parenting structures that are uh, like are different than like the two family or the two parent rather like family um, are really healthy and and honestly quite like good for kids to have lots of adults in their life but it's not what we think is normal and the government definitely doesn't um validate that like in the legislature or in um in law and so i would just encourage people to i don't know don't judge other people that are different than you um because that's what makes the world so beautiful. Diversity. And we can pretty much just end the show on that note. Love each other. Well, thanks listeners for joining us on this week's episode of Query. We are... (laughs) We are uh, here on monday evenings every other monday at 6 p.m and also on sundays at noon so you can get a catch-up episode if monday evening doesn't work for you and eventually we'll be a podcast again uh we're working on it so you can listen whenever you want happy asexuality week and uh we love you Mm-hmm. we love you nelson and beyond thank you for listening and we hope you have a magical day <laughs>